Thank you for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our program because we've had a, a great time studying some things concerning the spiritual weatherman, and we've had a great time looking at aspects of the uh, pathway for an antichrist. And today we want to talk about the search for peace. I, I think maybe that word peace is almost a, a universal word. Matter of fact, in, when you go to Israel, there's a word called shalom, and, and that's a word for hello. It's a word for goodbye. It's a word for peace. And isn't it interesting that in the Bible there's much to say about peace, both real peace and false peace. And so today we, we want to take a look at this. And as we engage the topic of search for peace, I would say that what's really caught my eye and how I think it fits in so much with the, the spiritual weatherman series that we've done in the past is the idea that with all this going on, we're looking for a peacemaker. Now, isn't it interesting that as we search for peace and as the world looks for this peacemaker, you know, we, we think of it as a dove. In our last picture, we, we showed it as a dove. That's, that's the symbol of the peace. But behind there, you see lurking this, this face of an antichrist, someone that you can't trust. And, and so why will we connect those two together? Well, I think the same uh, paradox is true when we look at world conditions. Look at the world conditions that we have. We've got war. Matter of fact, Matthew 24 talks about the fact that there would be war. And, and we've got it raging on every front. We've got civil wars. We've got uh, Russia going against the Ukraine. We've got a buildup in the Middle East. So uh, emphatic is that buildup that, that as I'm talking right now, we have the United States and, and Israel doing mock war games. And uh, we have Iran concerned. And, and Iran and, and Turkey and Russia are meeting talking about the doping to have nuclear warheads. I mean, these are incredible times. The Bible says that, that there would be war. Next, crime. You look at uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and you see that, that society is a mess. And look around, not just in America, but all over. Crime is on the increase. It's unbelievable, the amount of crime. Part of it is we've, we've almost done in our lawmakers and our law enforcers, and we've learned this throughout the history of mankind, that without laws, men don't do very well. From time to time, I have students that say in the school, why do you have so many rules? Well, I said, it's because really we could have one rule and that's do what's right all the time. But students don't always do what's right all the time. I don't do what's right all the time. And so we have crime. We have inflation, inflation. Wow, what, a, what an incredible thing. Just about the time you think you've got enough money saved up for something, well, you find out that it costs more. And we're looking at rampant inflation. Matter of fact, so much that there are even people that think that we may have to go through a, an economic uh, reset and the World Economic Forum that just took place. These are conditions that they're looking at and saying inflation in some places like Lebanon is so bad that every three months the money is only worth half as much. And in South America, similar problems. And, and we're watching it grab hold of things in the United States. The food prices, the inflation prices, the banking prices. All these are indicators that the Bible said would be in place in the last days. Revelation chapter 18. Or how about hunger? We did a, a study earlier and it said that, that while there's plenty of earth to grow food because of a lack of fertilizer, because of a lack of, of transporting things from one place to another, or sometimes just through the selfishness of, of mankind, we have a hunger problem. Pandemics. I, I just saw a, a story yesterday 
where Pfizer actually might be experimenting with how to create the next pandemic because it's such a moneymaker. And so with all these things going on, isn't it interesting that really, here's what I find, that peace is made through power. You see, in order for us to, to have something that would combat all of this, there's got to be something that's power. And when it comes to the idea of power, well, who really is that? And so I think among the things that we're going to say is this, that the real peacemaker must be powerful. Or can I say it another way? The false peacemaker will be deceptive. He won't be powerful. He'll fake his power and he'll really be deceptive in so many ways. Now, I want us to go to the book of Daniel, Old Testament book, chapter 9, verse 27, where it talks clearly about the Antichrist. But he comes, he poses himself as a peacemaker. It's interesting because you see the very person who wants destruction, who wants to make sure that, that humans do not have eternal life, he poses as a peacemaker only to be deceptive. And so Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. I believe he's talking about the Jewish people. And so I think this false peacemaker, this one that would pre present himself as being powerful, well, he's going to confirm a covenant. I think the covenant's already made. He's going to confirm it. And he's going to make it with Israel. But then in the midst of the week, you see, we've been talking in our studies that there's a period of seven called the tribulation. And the chart that we've been offering all week, it's still available. You can download it free. And you'll see that seven-year period of tribulation, those 21 judgments. And right in the middle, chapter 13, we find that the Antichrist comes. And while he's promised peace, he breaks the treaty. He, he nullifies any peace that he would have. And this is for the overspreading of abominations. He shall make it desolate. Something that he promised, he's going to make it desolate. He's going to stop it. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And so watch for the handshake. But isn't it interesting that there's been so many peace accords throughout time in the Middle East? Even in recent years, over 10 different peace accords all saying we're going to bring peace, only to find out that it doesn't bring peace at all. And so here's what the Old Testament says. But here's what we also know. Speaks of a peacemaker who will be able to make the peace agreement that has long been sought for. You know something? We're going to look at three or four incredible people. Incredible people by this way, powerful. By man's standard, powerful. But will they be able to bring peace? And so the scripture says, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, be careful. Because he says, when this peace condition comes, when this peacemaker comes, he will be an antichrist. And he will be working on this abomination of desolation. You see, I think... The seeking after peace is something that has been true from the fall with Adam and Eve all the way until today. And I don't know that it will ever be realized until people actually acknowledge who Christ is. I say that because, you see, encounter to this false peace, I'm going to introduce you to one who's the, the real peacemaker. The book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, the setting is important. Because you see, Jesus has been crucified and resurrected. And now, Pentecost has occurred and the apostles are, are so excited. Why? Because they've seen that Jesus is the real Messiah. He's a real peacemaker. And the apostle Peter, who denied the Lord three times, but was restored according to John chapter 21. Wow, he's got something to say about a peacemaker. You see, 
Peter was in the boat when there was a storm. And when there was a storm and the waves were rocking, remember, here's what Jesus said. He said, peace be still. He shouted it. And as he said, be muzzled or, or stop or, or shut up to the waves, they stopped and, and the disciples marveled. Why? Because he had such authority of peace. He was that powerful. And so in Acts chapter 13, as Peter is talking to the crowd, the very crowd that had crucified Jesus, he says, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus, whom you have delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Pilate, Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. Everyone there knew Jesus was innocent, but they sentenced him to death. And you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder that would be Barabbas to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. The Prince of Life. Can you imagine crucifying the Prince of Life? Well, he has other titles that, that are similar to this. And so it's interesting that the world would welcome an Antichrist that brings death and yet reject and crucify Jesus Christ, who's the Prince of Life and the one that brings peace. Here's why I say that. Because you see, as we look at what the Bible says throughout the history, these are all statements concerning Jesus Christ. About 900 B.C. in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, virgin birth. Unto us a son is given, given on Calvary. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the one who controls peace. You see, Jesus not only gives peace, makes peace, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the captain of it. Without him, there, there's no peace. You see, when the world crucified the Prince of Life and they crucified Jesus, they said no to the Prince of Peace. Or here's another one that I like, at the birth of Christ. I think sometimes we have Christmas cards and I don't want to pick on them. They're, they're wonderful to send. But I want you to see how nebulous sometimes the wording is. It, here's what the angel said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, often I, I see it said in this way. You see, they didn't say peace on earth, but they said on earth peace. There would be no peace on the earth. The earth is not at peace. But on the earth came the Prince of Peace. On the earth came Jesus. You see, Jesus is that, that real peace. He's the real Prince of Peace. And the world rejected him. The world denied him. Or that's why I think it's interesting when we go to Romans chapter 5, New Testament passage, therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who wouldn't want to have peace with God? But you see, only when you have peace with God by, by salvation, by receiving Jesus Christ, can you have the peace of God. I look at people and they say, wow, I'd like to have the peace of God. Well, there's only one way to get it. And that's to have Jesus because you see, Jesus is the one from God. And so peace with God, that's how, how you get the peace of God. Here's the world. Here's the Middle East particularly. Searching for peace and they rejected Christ, who was the Prince of Peace. He was the Prince of Life. They crucified him and they said no to him. And so this very area of the world that wants peace and seeks for peace, here's what the Bible says. 
because you rejected Jesus, who was the Prince of Peace, because you rejected Jesus, who was, who was on earth peace, then you're going to be deceived by a false sense of peace. We're watching that take place. You'll see how that will spill out here in just a few minutes. Another contrast is this. In Thessalonians chapter 5. Wow, what a, what a critical passage when we're studying these things. And it says this. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The very time when they're seeking peace and safety, uh, it's going to be sudden destruction. You see, here's what's going to happen. They're going to believe their own words. They're going to believe the promise of man as opposed to the promise of God. And so instead of seeking peace with God so they can have the peace of God, they're going to look to a man. Now, with that as a background, I, I want us to, to look at another area of this because I believe that throughout the ages, Satan has always had a man in the shadows waited to do his bidding. Always had a man who would be this false Christ, who would be the one that would, they would promise peace but give anything but peace. And we can go throughout history and you'll find people that, that promise peace. And the truth is they, they might look great, but the real truth is that they cast the shadow of the devil. And so I've got some picture up there, but, but I'm going I'm to go to modern history because it's interesting, and, and we're just going to follow it for a few years, but in the year 2020, Pope Francis gave Emmanuel Macron, Emmanuel, God with us, Macron, his blessing, anointed him to take the global stage as the leader of the new world order. And the new world order, many people think this is what's going to bring peace. Why? Because it's going to bring all the countries together under one government. That, that would be the hope of it, to bring peace. And then to follow that in, in 2021, in October, when Markel stepped aside and when Macron became the, the European Union president, it was an opportunity and she said, take up the mantle of European leadership and, and you'd be the one that, that brings this peace. You'd be the one that, that unites the world together. You know what? He's been trying. Or if we come to, to January of the year 2022, what's interesting is this. Emmanuel Macron, when he takes over the European Union as a president, he called a summit in March to forge ahead with a master plan for a European Union army because he said that's the only way to bring peace to the whole world. Isn't that incredible? He wants an army to bring peace. Well, I agree that someone who's powerful has a better chance of bringing peace. But it's interesting because, again, if we, if we just keep going, here's the Ukraine crisis. He met with Putin, and Macron is saying, we've got to have an army. Why? Because we want world peace, and it might be the way to rein in even the people who are promising this so-called peace statute, including Mr. Putin. You, you see the double standard that's there. The world is accepting that double standard. Or how about Mr. Macron? <laughs> he wanted... 400 billion euros to, to transform France's forces through 2030. And by his own admission, he says, it's not for a French army. It's not for a French uh, military power. It's for a, a world military power. Believe me, an Antichrist to bring peace, the way to have peace worldwide, you've got to be powerful. You're going to have to have some kind of an army. But I want to look at another potential peacemaker, false peacemaker, and this one, I find it even more fascinating than Mr. Macron. Here's Amos Oxstein. Matter of fact, his credentials are so uh, unbelievable. 
he just did a, a historic, they, that's their word, historic border uh, deal between Lebanon and Israel, giving them uh, oil, or, sorry, gas, natural gas, from Israel to Hezbollah. And the, and the world stood in amazement because here a, a Jewish-born man who is actually the chief advisor for Mr. Biden, he's the one that everyone looks to, he's the energy czar, he's the critical material czar, He's the person who's, who's kind of setting the path for what we would call world security. And, and this man has risen to the top in so many ways. Here's what I find fascinating. Whoever the peacemaker is in Daniel 9.27, he's going to have to bridge the gap between the Jews and the Arabs. He's going to have to bridge the gap between uh, borders can't be a, a, a situation because it's going to be the world bringing war against Israel. And isn't it fitting that, that many people, including myself, think that the Antichrist indeed will be a Jew. And so here is this man that, that has such potential and everyone's looking to him for the peacemaker. They even call him sometimes the peacemaker. And this man, well, he's Biden's energy expert. Why? Because energy has been in the heart of peace. You see, Often we have neighbors and friends that we call friends, and the reason is because of oil. And so he's everywhere. He's been in the UAE. He's been in Saudi Arabia. He's been in Israel. He's been in Jordan. He's meeting with Russia. He's now in Saudi Arabia. I mean, in, in less than two weeks, I think he visited six or seven major companies, countries, and all the time talking about, uh, I'm going to say, deals to bring about energy or security or essentially to make peace. And so they call him the face of, on, on face of the nation, jetting off to the Middle East to broker energy deals and, a, and to make settling the peace. And I found it fascinating that when he went back to um, Baghdad recently, he said, I, I feel like I'm coming back home. Now, having said all this, I'm going to play two video clips for you. And I want you to see the control that he has, the, the flair that he has, because you see, there's something very important. Remember I said that whoever is this peacemaker, he's got to be powerful. He's got to be in control. And there's no doubt that whoever has oil in the past has been in control. But there's a, a new commodity on the scene. And I want to introduce that new commodity to you. And I think you'll see how come this plays so important into the whole scheme of this Antichrist. Will he have an army? I think he'll have to. Will he be a master at artificial intelligence? I think he'll have to. Will he be able to, to talk to, to various countries? I think he'll have to. And will he have knowledge and control of energy and critical materials? I think he'll have to. Watch this amazing interview and you'll see what I mean. There's been so much discussion at this conference about the challenges of critical minerals, how we need to source more supply, how we need the unique security challenges of critical minerals. Walk us through, sort of level set for us, what's the scale of the challenges we think about meeting Paris climate goals? Look, I actually believe that this is the greatest challenge, not just for our ability to meet uh, net zero goals, but it's actually one of those things that crosses over to to being one of the most important challenges and national security risks uh, overall, not just energy, but a national security risk for the United States and for large parts of the world. And the reason for that is because if we don't 
if we just continue as things are today, as they've been developing for the last 10 years, we'll be in a place where we have full control or, or significant control of critical minerals in the hands of very few. Right. And that's, that's a great challenge. Now, Amos, how does this differ from the security challenges of traditional hydrocarbons? And you mentioned concentration risk, but there's also this issue around China, which is, it's in the hydrocarbon challenge, but it also seems to be very, very pronounced when it comes to critical minerals. Well, my view is that if we're, everybody always thinks about the hydrocarbon world of the 20th century, yes. and that we're now moving to this great new world of the green energy world, which is a, a better world in many ways, but that somehow that's going to solve the geopolitical challenges of the energy world. The way we're going right now, we're actually creating a carbon copy of the 20th century energy, geopolitics of energy architecture and just putting it into the 21st century. Instead of having a small group of countries that control oil supply and perhaps refining, we're now going to create a one or maybe a couple of countries that will control the entire supply chain for uh, wind, solar, electric vehicles, chips. And if we do that, then the geopolitics of energy of the 1970s will be repeated in the 2030s. And we have to accelerate the investment in uh, clean energy technology and in renewable energy. That creates a challenge because as you accelerate something more rapidly than the market would normally have developed, you have to make sure that you have the raw materials and the supply chain behind it. Right now, we, we, we may not. So to do that, suddenly there is a rush to buy and to acquire from mining to processing and refining and assembly. And if you look at where that is right now, it's not in a good place for a diverse, well-diversified energy system. Are there particular aspects of it that are especially acute? I think we've discussed graphite before as a particular challenge. So if you look at what is the, the materials that are necessary for batteries or materials that are necessary for wind, uh, and you break it down, and you look item by item, and suddenly you realize that graphite is mined in many different countries, but it's processed only in one country. And we're going to have two new processing facilities in the United States likely over the next couple of years, uh, but that will supply a very small percentage of what, even just a small percentage of what the United States needs. And then look at lithium and who's, who's owning the assets, who owns the mining, who owns the processing, who owns cobalt, who owns the mining, where is it going? Uh, nickel, copper. Copper we need not just for batteries, we need it across, uh, if you want to electrify everything, uh, copper is really important. So all of that is right now uh, concentrated in one country, in China. China controls somewhere between 60 and 100% of all the items that I just mentioned. Wow, shocking interview, isn't it? You see, we've just been told that we need to go to renewable energy sources, solar and wind and, and so on like that. And now we find out that there's a, a critical material shortage. I'm, I'm reading an interesting article that came out just this year, and it talks about the fact that, that really we need 25 times the amount of graphite in the next few years to meet the demand just here. The United States, even when we set up these two new processing plants, we're going to be at 4%. Do, do you understand that... It's the have and the have-nots. And that's how come there's some political wars going on. That's how come there's some economic wars going on. And this man, Amos Huxtein, he seems to be the genius of the whole thing. And so 
we've been pushed into the alternate energy field, and now we're creating new champions, and among those is going to be China. Did you hear him say China owns between 60 and 100 percent of some of these critical minerals? And by the way, some of the critical minerals are actually found in Israel in the Dead Sea. It would give incredible value to that. You can see why there would be countries that would want to come and take a spoil based on Ezekiel 38 and 39, exactly as the Bible said. And they would bring peace. They would promise peace to get those special favors and that special wealth. Wow. I see the stage being set up in a very remarkable way. But I want to show you the flip side of this because at the same time, listen to this interview. Well, we went through a pandemic and we're, we're growing back. And right. what has the president said on that, Joe? He has called on the oil companies to spend those record profits and to increase their capex, not just on stock buybacks, but to increase it actually in investment into production. And so he's calling on increased production. At the same they time that he's saying he's going to end the fossil like fuel and ExxonMobil are doing that. So, some are doing that. And I think the response, and look, we've but, had a conversation with the oil companies. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to break news here and say the Biden administration, some of the oil companies, we're not going to always agree on, we're going to have a lot of disagreements. But I, we believe that they should be spending more. They should produce more. I think some of them have, Becky, yeah. as, well, as you well, have said. Amos, they are you, if increase, the president has said, more increases the president year. has said, we uh, read my lips, I'm going to end the fossil fuel industry. And then on the other side, you know, two days later, he says, you're not making enough. Increase production. Why would you do it? If he so, said he's going to end it, why would you invest so money the in arc, So the arc of the energy transition that we're on is that we're going to need oil for significantly more years to come as we accelerate uh, the energy transition. So what President wants to do, what President Biden wants to do is two things at the same time. Accelerate, that not energy, end accelerate the energy transition while making sure we have enough energy in the system now, oil and gas, to be able to sustain this energy transition. For how it's long? not a short period of time. You, I don't know that. We've talked about that. 20 we, years? I don't know. 50? I'm not, I'm, I, I, well, he's not going to end it. He probably won't be around before. But most by the time oil produced ended. on... All right, now you see the conflict. Fossil fuels, they say, end. Created uh, or materials, critical materials to, to have these alternate things. We, 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 we're, we're going to be subservient to whoever has them. We need a mastermind. We need a, a person who can negotiate peace in impossible situations. And you know what? The world has several people that are doing exactly that. May I show you 2023. Here he is again back in Saudi Arabia, uh, and then he goes to Baghdad, and he says there, I feel like it's a homecoming. Look at the people that are here. These are the very people that are at odds with Israel, and we have a, a Jewish man who's the master peace mind, and he can talk out of both sides of his mouth. He can say, fossil fuels, end them, well, increase production. He can say, critical materials, uh, they're all in China, but, but let's, let's invest into them. You know, that's exactly what we see the Antichrist doing. The Bible says this. He's called the man of sin. He's called the son of perdition. He's called the wicked one, the Antichrist of, uh, in John and the first beast of Revelation 13. You see, I think this Antichrist is alive today. I don't know who he is. I think Satan's always had a man, but I want you to see there's a great contrast between this Antichrist and the real Christ. Christ comes from above. The Antichrist comes from the pit. Christ came to save others. The Antichrist comes to destroy. Christ comes to tell the truth. And the Antichrist comes to lie and to talk out of both sides of his mouth to deceive. Matter of fact, the key word I find is that he'll oppose God. He'll exalt himself. 
He's going to stop the sacrifice. We've been studying the sacrifice in the Temple Mount. He's going to stop it. He's going to set himself up to be, to be worshipped and to be revealed. My friend, he's a deceiver. I'm, I'm concerned. You want to know why? Because I think the world is perfectly set up. You see, he will use the power of Satan to do it. And so how will Satan provide that? He's going to use powerful men who want more money and more power. There's lots of powerful men, lots of rich men. They're going to want more, and the Antichrist will be one of those. He'll use the harlot, religion. We've talked about the deception that is in religion as they come together. He'll use lies and deceit. He'll promise things and, and, and take them back. He'll break his promise. That's how he does it. You see, false Christ, the Antichrist, he brings false peace. True Christ, Jesus Christ, he brings eternal peace. And so as we come to the conclusion today, I say this, are you ready? You see, do you have real peace? The only way to do that is to come to Jesus now. I think the world is perfectly set up for deception. We want peace, huh, but we're not at peace with God. And so we'll never have the peace of God. But you can have the peace of God today. Come to Jesus Christ. Admit you're a sinner. Accept the finished work of the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus made peace with a holy God for my sin and for your sin. Accept him. Receive him today. Thank you for watching. May God bless you. And seek the real Jesus, the real peacemaker.